0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders in Cleantech podcast. Each week, our host, David Hunt, speaks to a leading startup CEO, executive, or thought leader in the clean tech sector. Focused on the clean energy and clean mobility transitions, each guest shares the highs and lows of their cleantech journey, their industry insights, and their vision and hopes for the future.
1: Hello, I'm David Hunt, and thank you for joining me again on the Leading Clean Tech podcast. As you'll know, I love renewables, and I'm a bit of a nerd for batteries and energy storage technologies. But while some might say it's less sexy, energy efficiency is so important in the battle against climate change, as is the problem of domestic heating, and commercial heating for that matter. My guest this week is a leading light in this space, Toon Bouton, CEO at Tardo. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Leasing Clean Tech uh, podcast. Tune. It's good to have you joining me from Munich.
0: Yeah, thank you very much uh, that I'm uh, here in the, in the podcast. Um, feel uh, very, uh, very good on that. So very
1: nice. Very good. Very good. Okay, so listen, before we dig into the the problems that Tado addresses and the solutions that you provide and the technology and all, um, I'd like to jump back a little bit through your experience. Um, Like our guest last week, you're not a founder at Tado, but you've been brought in to really help and support the scaling up of the business. So perhaps you can share a little bit of a flavour of your previous career and what actually led you to join the team at Tado?
0: Uh, yes, uh, let's uh, take a few step backs, perhaps many step backs. So, um, I have worked uh, my whole career in uh, new technologies. Mm-hmm. So, in the 80s, I worked uh, for Philips in the time at Consumer Electronics uh, that they introduced the uh, CD, and everybody was saying, Oh, CD, that's uh, something which it doesn't work really. Uh, but at the <laughs> end, after a few years, everybody had only a CD player, and all the vinyls uh, uh, were disappearing. Then in the 90s, I joined uh, Compaq Computers, uh, starting uh, the consumer division for Compaq. And uh, Mm -hmm. everybody is saying exactly the same, who the hell needs a computer at home? And it's only for games. Uh, And uh, you see, after five, six years, uh, more than half of the households had a computer. Then in the uh, end of the 90s, I joined a smaller company, uh, Jobline, which was the first internet recruiting company and mm-hmm. also there uh, we had still the newspapers where you had uh, in the weekend uh, 20 pages of uh, yep. job ads and, and uh, well. yeah so and uh, we we impulsively digitized this whole part and uh, we did an ipo in the 2000s already and uh, there is uh, today no job at left in the uh, newspaper everything is online and there's a whole industry around that so it's all looking at uh, existing industries and say, see how uh, to, to what, what the digitization is how what the changes are yep. and it's also how i came to uh, tado so tado uh is uh, really in this uh, space uh, from heating, cooling, connected to energy, connecting to insulation, maintenance companies, uh, which is a huge industry. Uh, COP, uh, you talk of a total industry in Europe from close to 300 billion uh, euros, and that whole industry is changing dramatically. It gets digitized. Uh, you get n- uh, new ways of working, and that's in, in that center. In principle, uh, that's where t- uh, Tado is. Um, yeah. So it's very logical uh, from uh, where I come from um, it, in the meantime of course over all these years I build up a lot of experience uh, really starting from sales, uh, product management, uh, marketing, general mm-hmm. management, uh, managing companies including the whole manufacturing and uh, that is, in principle, uh, why also uh, the, the two founders of Tado came to me and said, hey, we have an, a great product, uh, we have a great service, but uh, we are very young, we are very inexperienced, and uh, we understand if we want to scale the company, we need to have uh, somebody uh, who really has, is an experienced manager who can manage complete uh, venue, team especially who can scale
1: the company uh, together with us. And that's why I joined uh, Tado. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an important thing. I mean, there are a couple of things actually. Clearly you've 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 experienced of those really disruptive step changes, which is uh, which is important. And clearly we're going through many of those uh, at an accelerated pace at the moment, particularly with digitalization of, of of everything, you know, mobility and energy, of course, and the heating, which we'll touch on. Um the other key thing actually is around. The difference in what it takes to start a business versus what it takes to scale a business and that's again something perhaps we can explore later on because that as you say really cool founders i've met them before but as you say you get to a point where it's a different skill set and different set of experiences that perhaps you need to go into really that fast scale up process
0: yeah yeah ab- absolutely so these uh the two founders are really two brilliant guys who really understand the heating cooling and energy in uh, industry very well uh, they both are engineers uh, one of them has also studied uh, energy technologies in the mit and so they came with this great idea mm-hmm. that uh looking at the heating and cooling uh at, the, at people's homes which uh, is extremely inefficient and ineffective and, and they said hey something need to be uh has to be done in order to increase the energy efficiency and to give more comfort to the uh to the people and so they developed uh, a uh, solution for that they did their MVB, another MVP, another MVP, and the company started to, to, to grow uh, very nicely, until the really, and, and they, they were doing everything. They were doing engineering, they were doing sales, they were mm-hmm. doing accounting, they were doing illegal, and, uh, but at a certain moment, the company got so big, and uh, there were more and more people in, into the company, that yeah. uh, it really, you saw that the, the growth was uh, starting to level up, not because that the product and the service were not good, but just because uh it wasn't scalable, the thing what they had to put in place uh, the organization structure, the skill sets, etc, all the processes so and yeah, that's, that's yeah. really but the good thing is they understood that also, and that's one of the I think one of the key challenges of uh, young entrepreneurs that they need to understand when they need to help uh, of uh, people with uh, more management experience or people with different skill sets more uh, ex- specialism and et etc.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I mean, clearly that's what we tend to do on a, on a day-to-day basis. Another heating company actually, uh, Mixedy, that we work with at the moment with, with Hyperion, same thing, an absolutely amazing CEO founder. Um, but when you really start to scale, you need to bring in those additional skill sets into those C-level positions and indeed below as well, that you need to bring those people in that have, as you say, like yourself, that experience of going through those journeys in the past. I think touching on something you started with there. You know, creating and storing clean energy is relatively simple, and therefore there's a lot of attention and money in that place, as we know. But um, it's of course that is hugely important. But heating and cooling our homes and businesses cleanly and efficiently is much more challenging, I think, and and, and some might say less sexy. I'm sure you would disagree. But can, can you share a little bit more detail of the the uh, the Taro product offering and and its evolution as a product?
0: yeah so in principle um, if you look at uh, heating and cooling uh, today um, it's done in uh, most in most cases uh, with uh, not a lot of efficiency steering from a user's perspective it's also Mm -hmm. not done in most of the cases uh, with installations which are very uh, energy efficient and using a tremendous uh, amount of energy. The problem, yeah. however, is if, if you look at uh, at it, uh, there are, uh, if you take just the heating, uh, the heating installations in Europe are around a uh, thousand manufacturers and who have a total uh, park of more than 16,000 different uh, installations in place. So, so you, and all, they all function in a little bit different way. They're all steered a little bit different way. And uh, so that's one of the challenges. If you want to connect them and steer them, you need to have uh, technologies in order to do that. And also you need to have a huge database where all these products are in. So what's the... what the two founders have done very quickly, they recognize that. And so they have started to build up this huge database, but also technology to connect all this installation. And mm-hmm. um, they were lucky that they did that uh, from Germany, because in Germany was very early uh, where they had the digital, so-called digital connection, uh, digital interface uh, with the heating installations. And with the digital okay. interface, you can, not, you can do not only the energy steering, but also the whole remote monitoring and maintenance of the installation and that's how they built their technology in this digital interface uh, but as i mentioned there are so many different uh, interfaces so they have not mm-hmm. this, this so-called multiple interface bus on the software side and on the hardware side which is also uh, patented by the uh, by the company and that's why we are able to have this huge suite of uh, uh, monitoring uh, uh, the devices which in itself is interesting for the consumer because you own not only saving energy but uh, you're also are able to uh, see how your installation is working But especially for the uh, large b2b customers like utilities who want yeah. of course to happen uh, and really want to get connected to, to the user to able to deliver energy services not just only the the gas or the electricity but yeah. really service around energy and often also in services like installation service installation of the total equipment maintenance service maintaining the equipment including the energy often or heating as a service where they offer a flat fee of 50 60 euros to a month for just having everything in place and the heating and the energy and the uh, and the maintenance. And that's why they need to connect, of course, to these uh, installations, but you also need to monitor it. So what mm-hmm. we have built is not only the connection, the smart the thermosets connecting all the homes, but especially also the uh, s- SaaS solution, software as a service solution, where you can do this remote monitoring, the remote maintenance of all these uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of installations. And that's, that's what we are, which is really so specific from TADA.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think there's, again, something that's really, again, a key factor. Of course, technology is really important, has to evolve. But it's these business models that are really driving change, I think. And I've said this a while ago, much like with our telephones now, you pay a monthly fee and you have all of your data, all of your text, all of your calls, all of this, that and the other. And um, it's really interesting now that both in mobility and, of course, in energy, there is this kind of similar um pay-as-you-go kind of uh solutions so the business models are hugely important but uh, as you say you need the data and the connections and the uh, and the uh, algorithms i guess to make sure that that uh those business models are feasible
0: yes uh, ab- absolutely so uh it's a uh, it is really uh now it is uh, feasible uh with, with with the connections uh but um it's it's, it's really it's it's in the core of all the energy companies uh, because they realize from hey energy is a commodity so if we continue with this uh, we see more and more turn rates because the consumer doesn't doesn't understand if this is in this is this bridge gas uh, electricity or is it an ssc electricity don't care they just want to have always electricity in place so that's our gas in place that's why they just want to, uh, the in, so that's why they need to, to move to these, all these services and they need to have technology which is facilitated that. And um, and that's where exactly where we are coming, we, we, we facilitate that technology, connecting all the homes, but also have this layer of uh, service and, and, and uh, software to be used by the big utilities or the very large maintenance uh, companies like in the HomeServe or yeah. in the UK or Tomando in Germany. Uh this is exactly what they are doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think, again, that's an interesting point. But, that for you personally, as coming into the business, clearly you've, as you say, got a, a fairly in-depth experience. But now you have, I guess, a solution which is partly B2B in terms of selling to the utility companies and the maintenance companies. But I guess there's also a, a big connection with the consumer and, and obviously your website, from what I've seen, is, is quite consumer Orientated that you are clearly looking, you know, B two B to C effectively. So, how are you managing those channels? What's your uh, what have been some of the challenges? Perhaps in in obviously, if you if you just have one channel, the other doesn't work. You have to do these things in 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 sort of synergies. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, of course, the, the, there are some challenges with having two channels. But like, when when Tado started in two thousand and twelve, uh, selling the first products in the autumn, there was uh, nobody who wanted to uh, sell. A smart thermostat because it was only hardware sales at that time. Mm-hmm. And the Tado had to sell it uh, themselves on the, their own website. Then, uh, after that, after a couple of years, uh, the, the retail started to develop. Uh, and the Tado quickly realized that's, uh, that's very nice, but the, the big customers uh, are, in principle, not the innovators and the early adapters from the consumer side. But the big customers are the huge utilities, are the installation companies who have millions, millions of households they needed to connect and are looking for a new business model. So that's why they they they, they tur- turn they turn to the business model in principle towards the B two B two C uh, direction. Uh, enabling um, making sure to connect as many as possible houses and make the service around that. Now, from a channel perspective, this this is challenging because you need completely different channel skills Mm -hmm. for uh, the consumer. It's typical. You need to have uh, good online retail skills because 95% of our products to the consumers are getting sold online. Uh, yeah. And you need to an- understand the, the big guys uh, how to work with Amazon, how they work in the, with A and O in the UK, Coolblue in the Netherlands, uh, Think uh, Media Market in Germany. So you have this very dedicated uh, sales force uh, for uh, co- uh, for the consumer channel. On the other hand, you have yeah. the really solution business uh, for uh, the utilities, for instance, which is not selling uh, hardware, it's really selling solutions which fitting in their services. So it are trying to have standardized, standardized services in place, which you then tailor-made at the very end in the interface so that it really seems Uh, seamlessly fit in the uh, service offering of these uh, big utility partners. And they're all a little bit different, but they are 90% the same, so it fits very well for us. But the the people Mm -hmm. working as account manager there are are people with a very strong engineering background, uh, strong uh, large account background, so different type of people, and a different way of working also, because you really work on plans which are two, three years ahead. Because you have yeah. to look ahead, Where in the consumer is just, uh, what is the sales season? Oh, the sales season for heating is uh, from September to January. Let's make an, a plan with Amazon or with one of the other retailers for the six months, and that's over again. Mm-hmm. And then we go for the next plan. Yeah. So it's much a short term in the consumer and very long term, very strategic in the uh,
1: B2, B2B uh, to see uh, channel. Yeah, yeah, and as you say, managing that can be a challenge in terms of the right resources, the right people doing the doing doing the right roles. I think um, uh, again, you kind of touched on something there um, with um, uh, the, the sort of the journey of a company, the evolution of a company. Because uh, again, a lot of people now are rightly moving towards a SaaS model and uh, the aggregation, um, because that clearly is where the huge benefit comes from. But sort of five, ten years ago, that wasn't. Really, a, a thing, so to speak. So, when when the title guys started the business, do you, are you aware whether they felt that it might be a hardware play, and then they evolved as the opportunities arose, or did they already always see that aggregation was a, a key factor for the product?
0: Yeah. So, uh, in principle, uh, uh, Christian Dialman, one of the two founders, uh, during his uh, his uh, masters at MIT. He already uh, was looking at aggregations for a uh, demand response uh, especially on the renewable renewable technologies and okay. uh, so that's why from the beginning onwards they had already an idea hey guys we need to work in the in, in, uh, in this on energy maintenance uh, maintenance isolation and, mm-hmm. uh, and and connecting the homes but they also realized from there is no real need for yet in the b2b part yet for this aggregation so but we anyway need to very quickly connect as many as possible homes so let's first connect as many as possible homes and yep. then uh, over, over time develop all the services around that because if you have uh, installed 100 pieces uh, doesn't matter as soon as you go into hundreds of thousands pieces, then it really uh matters yeah. and that's the way they have uh, built up the company. And uh, yeah, so so we, we, we when I joined uh the idea uh, was uh was already there from the beginning onwards. But they had so we have a challenge how to execute it and how to really get a focus on the one hand, building out the network, installing in the homes mm-hmm. as quickly as possible, on the other hand Starting all the services software uh, for these uh, large customers. So what we did, we, we split the company in in two parts and, uh, and and dedicated product management for that as well. So that we yeah. got this focus and uh, so on the marketing side, on the product management side, so product side, and on the sales side. And that's the way it uh, it worked out very very well uh, last uh, three years.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so in that three years that you've been with the business, what have been the biggest challenges you faced personally in, in taking over the reins and, and <laughs> yeah. what, are, what, what do you see as the biggest challenges and opportunities in the next two to three years
0: yeah so the the, the biggest challenge of you, you you take over a company as ceo from two founders mm-hmm. and uh, these uh, founders of course uh, are uh, yeah have started with this uh, this founder team Uh, growing over time uh, and always be a very uh, this startup mentality which is very good uh, because without startup mentality you cannot start however uh, realizing that we have to go from the start to up to a scale-up company then of course uh, you have to convince uh, the uh, the uh, the team and the employees from Hey guys, listen! In the past, everybody of do everybody of you was doing in principle everything. There were no processes in place, uh, and now we are having more structures in place. We start with the yep. processes. We start with automation of the processes. and We put in place an ERP system and of course we're uh, putting in place more skills for this specialism so and new manager on sea level managers and of course this whole transition from this startup mentality and people have worked in that in during that time to the scale up is very hard uh, and it's a very hard, tough transition because you want to keep yep. the people with you uh, who are there from the beginning But you have to change, otherwise you can never scale, and that's the that's a tremendous challenge. I must say, and uh, that's something which uh, is uh, which which is goes better and better. Uh, And uh, I don't say we are there yet, because you still see some some some. Some attitude of uh, people and organizations uh, going trying to get back to this startup mentality, but um, with, with that's normal. I think the the biggest challenge in in, in the future what what I what I see is uh, that uh, is is the is the war of talent. Uh, are we getting enough uh, good people in a place uh, besides the people that we have today yeah. to continue the growth? Uh, and that is uh, not only on the development side. People who are aware about how about uh, technology, a track technology, uh, Mm in cooling technology, but also in uh, software technology, but also uh, on the account management side, uh, how attractive uh, are we as a company uh, compared to uh, others? uh, Has to do with attractiveness, has to do with salaries, etc., etc. Because we are a relatively small company, uh, growing fast, uh, but uh, we 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 have to compete against the big ones, uh, the Microsoft and the Googles and and the Apple. and the Amazons of this world, of course.
1: Yeah, I think that's an important fact. I mean, obviously know, speaking to the to preaching to the converted here in terms of what we do for a living, but that's exactly the point. I think that um, we don't always realize, or some founders don't always realize, because everybody who has a startup thinks theirs is the best in the world, and and to them, of course, it is, um, and and they uh, many, of course, are fantastic companies. But when you start competing for customers, but also when you start competing for talent and for individuals, you are competing with, as you say, uh, not just clean tech companies, but fintech companies, and other uh, and sort of IT uh, companies. And you are competing with, uh, you know, established brands who have some, um, you know, good reputation. So I think that is a challenge to create an environment where it's an appealing place to be uh, for, for for talents. And you know, we work with clients to help them to prepare for that. But uh, it's interesting you raise that because uh, it, the theme comes across from CEOs that I talked to on the podcast time and time again is, you know, you need the right money and you need the right people. And if you have the right money and the right people, you have a fighting chance of uh, of success
0: right no uh, absolutely and uh, so you need to write people and you need to keep the right people (laughs) which is also important so you need to have a very so we are with uh, 180 people now Uh, that's why you don't uh, talk uh, very regularly to everyone of course so uh, we have to uh, we, we have to place some tools to really have a finger at the at, at, at the at arm just to, to understand uh what what are the, what are the what's the thinking among the employees what do they yeah. like what they doesn't like what do what do they want to see and always bring that into to consider all those uh, things as well you cannot do everything you want of course because you have still to run a company but yeah. uh, it's good to understand that and have discussion around that and uh, that's in principle important that uh, you have to create a workplace where they are very positive and that they are really uh, Uh, the ambassadors of the company uh, to the outside world uh, to their uh, study mates uh, and if they talk about the company they should be engaged to say hey we have a great company it's so fun to to work here and by the way we create great products we create products which uh, really helps the environment and that they are proud on the company that we help the environment uh, reducing the energy and helping consumers to uh, deliver more comfort to have more comfort
1: yeah, yeah. No, I think that's hugely important and engaged workforce, not just in terms for, for, for managing the business day to day, but because it is so attractive to future employees and indeed future customers, uh, clients, when they see that in- level of engagement across your business. And I know it's something that try to do uh, well to make sure that you have as many... Um, Benefits, but not just the sort of the benefits and the obvious things that are corporate standards, but really looking after and engaging staff through canteens and work and, 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 and activities and, uh, and engaging team uh, activities, which is important. I think, um, that kind of leads to another couple of areas, uh, to appreciate your, your thoughts on. Um, increasingly, you know, we're challenged on, of course, finding the right talents, but of, on diversity also. And, um, uh, making sure that uh, that is a situation which is addressed. So the, the challenges of um, uh, of diversity, and I'd like to touch on um, uh, the, the world of sort of corporates and startups. But with regards to diversity, I know that you have, uh, I think, I understand that sort of employees from over forty countries speaking sixteen different languages, which is of course fantastic. But uh, you know, how, how do we as a sector, and how how do you as a company promote greater gender and ethnic diversity? Do you think?
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so in principle, everything in the company. We're a German company, but everything we do in the company is English. So that we we want to uh, build up no uh, threshold for the people that they say hey, I cannot uh, speak uh, German. So that's why I don't feel uh, comfortable in the company. So mm-hmm. that's for. It. So that's why we, we don't look where people come from. Uh, if if they have good talent, if they fit in the team, uh, those two things, then uh, we would like to hire them. Then, of course, if you look at uh, male female, so we have a 50/50, so it's really 50/50, okay. uh, which is very good. So, but it's it's different yeah. from uh, department to department, of course. If you if you look mm-hmm. into the uh, the development side, the R&D, there's these majority, uh, I think like 80% is uh, men, 20% is uh, women. However, if you see in other organizations, in marketing, supply chain, uh, finance, uh, HR, uh, there you see a completely different market. I think marketing is uh, 60% women, 40% men, HR is uh, 90% uh, women, uh, finance is 50-50. So that's very different from uh, organization, organization, but in the total, yeah. it's really a 50-50. If you look at the management, uh, I think uh, we have been... Uh, uh, we have great managers but very unfortunate that uh, on sea level we don't have uh, a woman in, in place uh, which I, I personally think is, uh, is a pity uh mm-hmm. we we have looked always uh, f- to get uh female colleagues in a management team uh, but it's also a matter of yeah finding the right person and we've never been able to uh find the uh the right uh, person the right candidates yet uh so I, I hope, uh, I truly hope that we uh, very soon, uh, if uh, we have to add somebody into the team in, in the management, they get also in a female member in, in the management
1: team. Sure. Yeah, no. I think that's important. And so many of our clients, uh, likewise, ask us to make sure there's balance in our shortlists and, and where possible. As you said, always has to be the right person uh, when push comes to shove, but uh, certainly in terms of the shortlist and making sure there's an availability of people from across the spectrum on the shortlist. And that's uh, can be a challenge, like you say, in different sort of discipline areas. Um, typically, the demographic is is different, and I think that's again something we need to address. There's a really cool organisation I don't know if you've come across them called Women Who Code, uh, which I think is uh, because again, so many of the uh, of the sort of the the key um, software roles are are very male dependent. Just as in the old days, the engineering roles were very heavily dominated by by men, and I think those things are changing. But clearly, a lot of work needs to be done. But it's great to see that the emphasis you have in the companies around balance and uh, and again those the benefits of having people from so many different countries and, and whilst their native languages as you say are different they all speak english but um the, they they bring different perspectives i guess and uh yeah and how many countries are you actually present in i know you have actually regardless of the diversity of the workforce but mm-hmm. how many com- countries are of actually active yeah
0: in? so so in a moment we are in 18 european countries and uh, we just opening uh, next month australia and also uh, the middle east to uh, the emirates so that okay. would be then uh, the emirates plus australia in addition to that and we uh, moving forward uh, first uh, with uh, amazon and apple in those countries on mm-hmm. top of that uh, we have just signed an, uh, an agreement uh, with an uh, australian uh, utility uh, to start there with uh, solutions for air conditionings uh, because we do also uh, we have big market for us is also air conditioning and in principle that's right. the largest market in the, in the world so uh, very, very, very interesting and of course the Middle East is all air conditioning based uh, and uh, so we are then with uh, yeah, if, if you talk to Emirates as one country which is not uh, really true but it's one country we yeah, have 20 countries and um, if, if you look at the uh, distribution of uh, our revenues you see that uh, Germany is uh, low 30% and all the countries are at 70% so germany is right. number 1 then the uk then the, 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 then the netherlands and then all the other countries are are coming um, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's good to see those uh, those really exciting um, expansions and internationalization, which, again, brings many challenges and, and of course, opportunities, but uh, many challenges. One of the other things I wanted to touch on, because, again, you've got a foot in both camps to some extent or, you know, in your your career to date, and that's an area which comes up often is around the, the collaboration between startups and, uh, and, and corporates. And uh, I think it was pretty much once the case that back in the day that big corporates are either crushed or bought startups, <laughs> but now we see so much more genuine collaboration uh, in that whole, uh, particularly in clean tech, where the companies are either making acquisitions or investments or providing um, routes to market, importantly. Um, so, again, going back to having, a, you know, perhaps a, a foot in both camps yourself, how, how do you see and where do you see collaboration working best between those giant utility companies and, and traditional companies and, and startups uh, yeah. like Tato or, or like you were perhaps a few years ago?
0: Yeah, so i see that it, uh, this collaboration works best if you are delivering products and services which are really uh, can be utilized uh, across uh, a certain industry so if you make an only tailor-made solution for one uh for, for one utility uh then quickly uh, you get so much attached to that uh, utility uh which gives often the risk that uh you disappear or you get absorbed by that utility and you're not able to really Mm -hmm. grow broadly and that's what happened actually with uh, two competitors uh, in the past on the uh, smart thermostat in a good uh, example is hive who uh, got Mm -hmm. uh, bought by bridge gas i think uh, seven eight years ago uh in the meantime hive is completely embedded in uh, in bridge gas uh primarily focusing uh, on the customers of bridge gas not uh, not not uh, with any other energy companies uh, having their services also not to any other countries on, on the consumer side so right. i think if you really want to uh, to grow uh, not within and, and stay relatively independent you have to deliver the services and uh, and, and products to a wide span of uh, of utilities and we, we have in a moment more than uh, than 35 utilities uh, where we work with in the UK it's OVO uh, and SSE uh, a UK yeah. uh, and a couple of more and but then we have in every country uh, two three four large energy companies where we work with so we are really neutral and the is they understand that we are neutral but of course we have so many different utilities as the customers so they are not yeah. afraid that uh, they, we work with the competitor of them it's like they also have all the services from Microsoft uh, or uh, Amazon or uh, Google yeah. uh, they, and so this is exactly the, the, the same in this way so you have to be a proposition which, which is neutral then other thing important aspect is on the investment side of course we have uh, as investors a couple of utilities uh, and and that, that was the same case uh, when the first utility got in there uh, there was a discussion uh, This was before my time but they had the discussion from hmm, is that a risk for other utilities as we have uh, utility as a shareholder as well. Yeah. But then we had, uh, they, they agreed, now we need to have more utility shareholders because if you have multiple utility shareholders, you take away this competitiveness and um, and, and that's what we have. So we have uh, several utilities, as a shareholder, which is uh, Chess Energy, which is uh, Aeon, which is uh, StatCraft, uh, which is uh, mm-hmm. Total uh, Energy. So, uh, and that, that helps to just to keep this neutral place also from a shareholder perspective. On the other hand, also yeah. that gives us also the opportunity, of course, to leverage their operations, because uh, of course, if they are uh, partly owner of a company, there is a tremendous positive uh, tension within those companies to utilize also uh, companies latado like in the in the operations. Yeah. So that helps us in the operations as well, and that's that's very much the case in all these utilities uh, where we're working in, but also on Amazon, because Amazon is also a shareholder in uh, Tardo, and uh, we get a tremendous support of uh, Amazon uh, on the technology side, Uh, everything has to do with uh, speech control uh, Mm -hmm. uh, and voice assistant on the other side also on the, the platform really uh, supporting uh, Tado, tardo uh, giving the right support giving the, the right tips uh, tip and tricks how to work on the uh, Tado, yeah. on the amazon platform and uh, so we grow very strong uh, on that uh, platform as well so so this is the way also to leverage your shareholders in, in growing your uh, your company
1: yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting, uh, point as well, because, uh, again, it's more than the money and I know VCs are incredibly important. I believe Inven, uh, good friends of ours are investor in in the organization. And so having VC money is great, particularly VCs who really get the clean tech sector. And there are many of them, of course. Um, but, uh, the, the, the the added value of shareholders from those utility companies and/or other industrial partners, as you say, is, is so much more than the money. It's the uh, and even it's much more than the access to markets. It's it's them helping you to evolve the 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 proposition.
0: Right, absolutely, and they are also, of course, in the in the in the partly they are in the board or the in the, the, the they are. Uh, uh, they're participating in a different discussion, and meeting, and it helps us just to develop uh, better products, better services, and having access to their platforms.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Going back to something you touched on clearly, with some really exciting growth yourself, that's an interesting one that comes up often with with startups: is how soon to internationalize? Because, of course, there's a huge opportunity uh, to, to to of new markets to to attend. Um, but sometimes I think companies look to scale. Too quickly, or, or or perhaps scale when they're still in startup phase. Have you any thoughts on uh, the the challenges of internationalization and, and whether and if you can try and do that too soon? Uh, yes,
0: absolutely. We have that in house. That uh, uh, that uh, example. Uh, Tade also went to the US in, I think it was 2015, uh, with a product and uh, they said, okay, we just uh, go sell it via Amazon and we take the product from Europe without really understanding uh, what is really the needs of the user in in the US, what Mm -hmm. are the uh, installations in the US for uh, air conditioning, Uh, what is the support you also needed, uh, you need to give to the US customers, you just uh, bluntly uh, went there and uh yeah surprise surprise uh it didn't work very well and uh, so uh, so when i joined in 2017 uh, we, I reviewed that I said guys listen the product is not fitting the processes aren't fitting the uh, the channel is not fitting let's please stop with it immediately and let's refocus back on the core countries in uh, Europe let's uh, build for that the right propositions and if you're going to expand to more countries and because at that time we were in 8 countries in Europe and so we expanded mm-hmm. every year 3, 4, 5 countries but let's make sure that we have the right channels in those countries that we have the right proposition in this country, to have the right support in those countries, before moving there. And that's what we did very consequently in Europe, that's why we feel also very uh, very confident uh, to, have, to be successful in outside Europe, in, in the Middle East and Australia, because yeah. we have set in place, uh, we, we have went to the customers, have looked at their needs from a product perspective, software perspective, service perspective, support perspective, and have put that in place. And now we are very confident that we can enter those markets with our products and services.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, that's something which is brave to, you know, always admit uh, an error on any company or individual. But I think those are, um, we should celebrate to some extent uh, mistakes. Clearly, we shouldn't seek them, but we should celebrate when we find them because they can inform so much of your future. And I'm sure there was a, a lot of learning from that experience and that venture into the US.
0: Absolutely, a lot of learning. And uh, I think it's a company uh, make mistakes. Everybody make mistakes. there's no problem, as long as you realize this mistake and then are able to uh, analyze, make an analysis of it uh, from what are the learnings of that, uh, the do and the don'ts, and then take this with you to the to the next phase. I think that's uh, very important. And I encourage also uh, people to do things even if they don't know exactly the outcome, uh, yeah. and not 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 shying away from new things just because they are afraid to make mistakes. Cost, then you cannot uh, go forward it's always for going forward something's work something doesn't work and then uh, learn from it and go, go further and further
1: yeah yeah no absolutely mistakes of your own and mistakes of others are always the the best way to learn or better still if you can learn from others but that's why it's great to share stories of of companies and individuals who've you know been there we all know're in a disruptive market nothing is certain and and to some extent we have to balance uh data and intuition in, in making some of these calls and of course cl- clearly you're never going to get them all right that's great yes yeah yeah so uh, i really appreciate you sharing some some time with us uh tune one, one thing again uh, i'd like to wrap up with is a little bit more on the, on the personal side and personally i i read an awful lot and, and of course listen to podcasts but are there any either books or podcasts or even any other go-to sources or people that have inspired you in your career to date
0: yeah, I think uh, there are a lot of people who inspired me <laughs> today, uh, and uh, it's all uh, people like uh, Steve Jobs, for instance. Uh, I really admired uh, Steve Jobs. Uh, it was in the time I was working for Compaq, uh, where Apple uh, was right. just way down. Steve Jobs was uh, away from Apple. Uh, doing other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had, uh, in that time, with the uh, senior management of uh, Compaq, a discussion uh, in uh, looking at Apple, eventually acquiring Apple. Uh, we had a discussion mm-hmm. with the former CFO, that I think was John Scully. and uh, But we, we decided not to do that because we thought Apple had no value for us. And if we would have bought Apple, it would not have any value. But then yeah. Steve Ops returned to Apple. And he really energized that company completely again, have such a good focus on the customers, on the products, so, so brilliant. And uh, what what it realized me is it's, it's it's about the team, but it's also about the leaders. Um, and yeah. so it was a very good learning to to see that uh, happening so I, I i'm a big admirer of uh, steve uh, jobs in that respect so and then um yeah of course uh, there are a lot of things uh, which i get inspired on and uh, it's 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 by looking at podcasts it's by reading There's a very good book called insiders about product management because i think product management is very important uh, but how to work product for, Management in agile teams. Uh, I yeah. think that's, that's, that's its core. And, and of course, I still think that uh, people who have been uh, working uh, with sales and in sales, they understand also the customer service because at the end. We have to think about co- the customer is always right, even if he's not right, he's right because in his perception is <laughs> reality. Uh, yeah. So, so either we deliver him something different or we change his perception. So, and that's things uh, uh, which I think is uh, is a very good learning. If people have uh, whatever they do in the company have some attachment uh, to sales and start to understand uh, sales a little bit and stand customers with that uh, very much, I think this, this is a very yeah. important learning.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, as you say, it's all about firstly your employees and then your customers, because your employees are the ones who address and, and hand, work with the customers. But that that uh, focus area shouldn't be ever forgotten. As much as we are, and many of our listeners are, are very much in the tech sphere, that that combination of technology and human interaction is the is, is the critical factor. It, it's interesting on Steve Jobs. Uh, I, I enjoyed his biography uh, again hugely, and we'll, we'll put a link to that on the uh, on the podcast page. But uh, it's interesting reading further still from that how much he learned from his original mistakes when he was out of Apple that he put into play when he came back. And as you say, was so trans, uh, transformational.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's really fantastic to see. And it's, it's so obvious example as well. So so it's so transparent what happened uh, bef- uh, with Apple before and during he was away and after he came back. So it's a really...
1: Uh, Inspiring story. as uh, So listen, I really appreciate your time. We'll make sure that we put uh, links on the podcast page to, to of course, to yourself and to and to and uh, to, to the books you've referenced and, and mentioned. But uh, really appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us.
0: You're welcome David, thank you very much for the interview and uh, I uh, hope that uh, together we get uh, well out of this uh, Corona time And uh, but I'm sure if everybody is uh, doing the right things, working well together, all the countries also working together, uh, this thing will uh, get over uh, in the coming uh, years, so good.
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah, collaboration on, on all fronts is, is critical and um, yeah, I share, uh, share those thoughts with you. Thank you very much, David. hope you enjoyed that conversation with toon one of the great things about podcasts is they're always there and i always smile when an old episode starts to get a lot of new listens uh, on the charts we have an archive now of nearly 60 cleantech ceos and thought leaders sharing their stories and thoughts so be sure to go in and take a look at some that you may have missed see you on the next episode